You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to dive back into the series uh, that we have been in all year long. The, the book of Exodus is what we are studying. And I, I, not only are we growing numerically, but we're growing together. We're making progress. The story started with Israel being in slavery. And then we see Moses and his transformation. We see Pharaoh, his heart hardening. And then God's judgment and mercy come into play with the plagues. And we looked at that. Uh, the final plague hit, the death angel passed over, right? And we talked about Passover. And then Pharaoh finally let the people go. And the people left. They got to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh changed his mind. He starts coming after the people of God again. And what happened? Uh, Moses like, Lord, we need a miracle. And the Red Sea is split. The children of Israel walk through. Two million people walk through the Red Sea. And then the Egyptian army follows suit. And when they do, the waters come back uh, uh, um, crashing in. And God delivered the people once again. God destroyed, but he saved and rescued in the same way. And we ended last week with the song, Pastor Bobby did an incredible job. In fact, I sat in the back, uh, and as he's playing different songs, if you are here last week, I don't know why, I was just emotional, kind of teared up on a few of those songs, and it was awesome. But uh, verse 21 says this, it's Miriam's song at this point, it says, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. And uh, I'm just curious, how many of you last week when we were looking at these, this song and even today, you remember growing up singing that song, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. And then in kids' church, we would go, right? Uh, Well, there's a few of you. That was good. So I asked Pastor Bobby, I said, hey, you sang these songs last week. Would you do that song for us this week? And he said, no. So so anyway, sorry about that. You can talk to him after. And uh, someone should talk to his boss. Oh, no, just kidding. But now we're at this point. God's people are out of slavery. They've passed through the Red Sea. They're heading into the wilderness. They're headed to the mountain of God, to Mount Sinai, right, to the promised land. But what I want you to know is that things don't just end at this victory song. In fact, Exodus is only about a third over. There's 25 more chapters. And today, you know, I know that we've, uh, we've been taking some uh, big sections together. Today, I want to hone in on six verses, uh, verses 22 through 27 of chapter 15. And it's an, kind of an odd little story. It's a short part of the story, but I believe there's some significant meaning. When we laid out this uh, whole uh, plan for Exodus, this was an important piece that we didn't want to just blow by. And, it's, and, and the reason is because it's one thing to stand at the edge of the Red Sea as God's people and sing joyfully in victory, right? But it's another thing, church, to trust God in our daily 
wilderness walk. And sometimes that's the way our walk with God is. And I believe as healthy believers, as when God uh, strengthens us and we become more mature believers, uh, there's something about living in the wilderness and trusting God. And that's what we're going to learn today. And I've been praying all week uh, for kind of a big idea or kind of a killer bottom line. That's what Pastor Sean and I have been learning. And, uh, And there was one verse that really jumped out to me. Verse 27. You can circle it already in your Bible if you want. And, uh, and I was brainstorming with the staff, some of the staff, and, and uh, talking about it. And uh, how many know you need 100 bad ideas before the one good idea emerges? I'm usually good for about 98 or 99 bad ideas. And then Pastor Bobby comes in with the sweet idea, and uh, he always is good for that. Um, but while we were talking, there was a familiar phrase, at least to me, that emerged. Now, I'm not going to put it up on the board yet or on the screens yet. Um, I want to see how many of you could answer or kind of fill in this blank. Life is hard, but God is good. All right, you've heard it too. And again, I have no idea where I've heard this over the years. I looked it up, and you can go to DesiringGod.com or Crosswalk.com, and they've got some material. Pam Thumb wrote a song about it, but I listened to it, and I've never heard that song, so I don't know. There are t-shirts that say, life is hard, but God is good. I don't know where I heard it, but it resonated with me, and today we're going to hone in on this idea with this little story, and we're going to believe God to really be a blessing. Now, before we do that, we've been talking about these ESV study journals. And if you're new with us, we have copies of these at the Connection Center. You can just grab one and follow along with us. And what it is, it's God's Word on one side and then a place for you to take notes. And uh, as you go through and you're tracking with us, we encourage you to do that. And I was thinking, it's daylight savings time. We sprung forward this morning. Look, a pretty decent crowd, even with snow unexpected. I wanted to do something to be a blessing. Um, How many like Starbucks coffee? Anybody in the room? All right. So I've got a $10 gift card that I want to give away, but it's only to those that brought your Bible today and your phone doesn't count. So if you got your Bible or your ESV study journal, I want you just to wave it at me, all right? All right. Ooh, this is good. A good amount. Nice. Now, out of all of you that have your hands up and you have your Bible and you have to prove it, whose birthday is closest to today? It can be coming up. It could be after. It could be today. When is your birthday? Tuesday. Like, what's the date? March? March, Tuesday. All right. Anybody closer than Tuesday? All right. Well, Lily, you get a $10 gift card. Let's give her a hand. All right. Nice job. (laughs) All right. And and all the rest of you are like golf clapping. You're like, I should have won that. And so... I can feel it. It's okay. All right. Well, turn with me to page 74 in your ESV study journal, and we're going to pick it up where we left off. Verse 21 said, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. Right? And we ended with this victory song. In Exodus, we'll pick it up in 22, it says this, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness, and they found no 
water. Now, there's a couple things to note here. You can make some notes in your Bible, uh, in your journal there. Uh, it says they were, he made Israel set out. And, and it's interesting. It said he's like, come on, let's go. The, remember, who was leading the people, it wasn't Moses. It was God through the cloud by day and the fire by Help me out, night, right? And so God was moving. It was not a mistake that they were moving into the wilderness. And so the cloud moves, the the fire moves, and the children of Israel, all two million, start to move into the wilderness. Now, in this story, it's a literal wilderness. I was saying first service, two weeks ago, right after Logan and I flew to California, my daughter got on a plane and went to Egypt. We talked about it. And she's living and just went to the pyramids this last week and uh, showed pictures. And we talked with her on, on um, uh, Saturday morning. And it's really cool what God's doing in her life. But uh, it is, she's like, it is dusty, it's dry. And it, especially when you look at the map where the people were going, it was like a wilderness. It was a literal wilderness. But we live in West Michigan. And so it's hard to understand that, right? It's like, well, what does that mean or whatever? Well, for us, how many know we go through wilderness seasons, seasons of limited resources, seasons of uncertainty, seasons of sometimes intense elements or options that kind of come? And in this case, they were waterless for three days. Three days without water, two million people. I'm thinking one day is tolerable. Two days, is there, it's going to be difficult. But three days, I think that's an impossibility. I remember when I was studying this this week, I was like, man, when I was a student in high school, I played basketball my senior year for most of it. I won't tell you the whole story, but um, I got sick and ended up going to the hospital or going to emergency because I was just, I didn't look good. I showed up and they're like, ooh, you don't look so good. And what was the first thing they did? They put an IV in me and started getting saline inside of me. And I, after, about a couple, after about a couple hours, they just determined you were dehydrated. And I was down and out, and after three bottles of saline pumped in me, I was looking good, and I was feeling good. I went home and actually played the next day, and it was, it was like no big deal. I'm a big proponent, personally, of drinking a lot of water. And some of you have heard me talk about it. I like to drink 128 ounces of water every day. That's one gallon. And some of you think that's a lot. I try to do that before noon every day. And the staff knows because I'm always constantly going to the bathroom. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, I was thinking about it. If one million or two million people, one gallon a day, if that was the ratio, that'd be two million gallons of water and I was like, well, it's hard to even imagine. Well, that's three Olympic pools full of water every single day that the children of Israel needed. That's crazy. And they're in the water, or in the water, in the wilderness, three days, no water. Verse 23, it says, when they came to Marah, a place where there was water, apparently, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. It's like, really, God? You bring us to a place where there is water, but now it's bitter? It says, therefore, it was named Mara. It's like trick date, not so fast, right? And we learn a little later in verses 26 and, or 25 and 26 that it was a test of faithfulness in their trust. But their response 
was probably like ours. Look at it, verse 24. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And I can just see some intensity. Like, hey, we're thirsty. This, what's going on here? And they grumbled. They've got a legitimate need on their hand. And they are, in Moses' understanding, the reality of leadership, he feels responsible. And so he cries out to God, verse 25. He says, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them. It's interesting. Kind of a quirky story. You're like, what's going on? Moses is crying out to God, saying, God, we need an answer. And all of a sudden, God shows him a log. It depends on what version or what commentary you listen to. It could have been a big tree. could have been just a stick or something in between. We're not really sure 100%. But it's not the first time that God told Moses to put wood into some water. See, our supernatural God provided there at Mara for that short period of time. But remember, back at Plague 1, the water, what was Moses to do? He was to put his rod or his staff into the water, and it turned it into blood. Well, here, the log made the water clean, and God, what, you say, well, what was God doing? This doesn't make sense. Well, it was a test. Look at it. At the end of verse 25, it says, and there he tested them. And then in verse 26, on page 76 of your ESV study journal, it says this, if you, are, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what, which is in, right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. So he says here, he says, you got to listen and you got to obey. And uh, he recognizes that he's the protector, he's the provider, he's the healer, which is pretty awesome. And then verse 27 hit me like a ton of bricks. Look what it says. It says, then they came to Elam. I've got that circled here, underlined. I, I highlighted it in my study journal. It says, where there were 12 springs of water, and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. That word Elam actually means oak trees. Uh, and some of your versions might say you, they came to the oasis of Elam. And what we see is that it became a life-giving place for the children of Israel. There were 12 springs. What does 12 remind us of? The 12 tribes of Israel, right? And so it was like God was saying, there's a spring for every single tribe for you. What about the 70 palms? Why does God put that in God's word that way? Well, if you go back to Exodus chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. It says, all the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. That's who went to Egypt in the first place. 70 different persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. And so 70 different families. It was like every tribe was covered with a spring and every family had their own shade of palm tree. And what I see here is that along the way, as the Israelites were making their way through the wilderness, God provided refreshment for them. And that's where that idea for our theme that life is hard, 
but God is good. Say it with me. Life is hard, but God is good. Now, there's a couple standouts in this story that are important. The first one is the idea of testing. No one likes a test, right? Uh, I don't like a test. No one likes to be put to the test. And, uh, and I, if I was put into this situation, if I was out there with no water for three days, I am the type of person that would not have probably passed the test. I get grumpy, and I get grumpy quicker than three days. And my son can attest to it. We're on this dream vacation, right? Uh, we're out there surfing every day. And literally, I worked out hard in order to go, and so I wouldn't be dead in the water, literally, because I wanted to kind of be out with Logan. And uh, I thought, man, I'm, I'm ready for this trip. I'm going to be fine. But I'm telling you, I was not. I'm an old man. And I'm telling you, after an hour or an hour and a half of the waves crashing and then paddle, 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 and then crashing, and it's like, what in the world is going on here? And I would come out of the water after a session, and literally, Logan would look at me and be like, are you okay, Dad? And I'm like, and I didn't even answer him. And I'm like, just leave me alone. You know, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I needed to catch my breath. I'm sure I was dehydrated. I was exhausted. I was grumpy. And I didn't pass the test. I was probably a little rude to Logan, wasn't I? At least at one point. Or it went both ways. I appreciate that, buddy. You didn't say that first service, but that's true. He was a little grumpy too. But anyway, but for Moses in this story, it was a test, right? And was Moses going to follow God's wisdom and do his own thing? And for the people, there was a test. Were they going to walk away from the Red Sea where there was provision there? And now they're out in the desert and they're saying, well, now what? It was a test. And for us, it's interesting, I think, that God will give us tests along the way. Say, well, why does God test his people? Well, I believe it's to encourage us, as strange as that seems. When he tests us, he's providing opportunities for us to grow spiritually, and it brings the best out of us. How many know when things are under fire, like metal is purified through heat? And the same is true in our lives. So there's testing. That's certainly interesting. The second thing I noted was the complaining. And unfortunately, this is the first of many complaints that are, we're going to see over the next few weeks. But three days, let's face it, some of us would not have lasted a day. How many of you guys would have complained at three days? All right, leave your hands. All right, all right. who would have complained at two days? Who would have complained at one day? Come on, be honest. Yep, some of you. Some of you would have complained after an hour. Come on, let's just be honest. <laughs> and and I, as I studied, I, there is a difference between groaning, like saying, man, this is hard, and just acknowledging what's hard. But then grumbling is saying to God or saying to Moses, you are to blame. And they're pointing fingers. They're saying, what's going on? And it just reminds me that the wilderness, when we're in tough spots, it can make you forget things. It can make you forget the blessings that are around. Struggle makes us forget. And it, it is so uh, apparent to me this last week, and I know this is my last surfing illustration, I promise, but when you catch a wave, it is so sweet. It is so incredible. And the waves in California are amazing. And uh, we just had a great time. But then you got to get back out. 
and the waves come and it topples you and you're like paddle, paddle, paddle and, and, and it takes you again and, and what's crazy is Logan, he's a young kid, 18 years old and he, it's like he's like zoom, and he's out there, no problem. It takes me like five times as long and I feel like I'm an anchor out there and, and it's like, okay, in the struggle, in the wilderness, when the waves are crashing around us, how many know it's hard to remember what it's like when you get out to the outside of the waves where you can relax and then catch a sweet ride in? And the same thing happens in the wilderness. So there's testing, there's complaining, but the thing that we want to focus on is what can we control? And the, what, the only thing we can control, church, is our response. Our response. And for Moses, his response was he trusted and he obeyed God. It's amazing seemingly to be the only one to trust and obey God. And by the way, Moses became a picture of Jesus. He's a type of Jesus that for one, Moses uh, saved two million people. Like one Jesus saves all of us. And it's kind of a cool picture. But Moses, he, he did trust. He obeyed. But what about our response when we're in a wilderness season, when we're in a tough spot? Are we going to follow Moses' lead and cry out to God? Or are we going to do our own thing, go our own way? See, I believe when we cry out to God, he will answer. And yes, there will be trials. There will be wilderness experiences where God allows us to be tested and he'll allow us to grow. But the question is, in those wilderness times, what is God really after? And I think we see the key in verse 26. He wants us to listen. You can circle that. It, because Moses listened, it led them to Elam. And it's, I love the idea that when we have no resources, what are we going to do, right? We've got to answer that question. Are we going to trust God and his faithfulness? Well, God helped Moses in that circumstance. They make it to Elam. Let's look at verse 27 again. It says, then they came to Elam. Again, this place of refreshing 12 springs. It was like God was saying, look, there's enough for everyone. And as if, when you look at the story, these six verses are kind of sandwiched between, and then we're going to be in the uh, desert for a long time. Uh, they did not stay here for very long. There would be more tests, more chances to trust, and more chances for the people to be faithful. But what do we see here? This was not an accident that God brought them to Elam. It was not an accident. God was preparing this place for them in advance. Remember what the theme of all of, of Exodus is? Uh, if God were to speak, he would say, I am the living God and I care for my people. And we, what do we see here? We see this idea emerge that life is hard. There's wilderness times, but God is good. Amen? Amen. Jamie, if you could join me. Uh, I want to bring this to a close, and then we got a couple other things to attend to. Church, passing the test does not have to be hard with God. To do it without complaining, that is. This is a simple truth. To be a healthy believer, to be growing in our faith, we need to learn and cultivate the ability to listen to the voice of God. And we hear the voice of God through Scripture, right? Through prophetic words, through nature, through friends and family, 
and there are other ways. But we need to learn to listen to the voice of God and then obey his commands. Now, in the Old Testament, there were hundreds of commands that that the people of Israel tried to follow. But I want to fast forward to a really cool scripture, Matthew 22, 37 through through 40. We actually talked about it in Get Connected yesterday. And it says, And Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophet. Everything from Old Testament is summarized with the fact we are to love God and love others. That's it. So you say, well, how do I do it? You know, I listen to God. I want to obey his commands. You love God. You love others. And could I add to trust that God is good? even in the hard times. I believe that the Lord is providing an oasis moment for some here today, a place of refreshing. In fact, I felt like there was a prophetic word and I've got it here and I'm just going to read it like I, I wrote it out as the Lord gave it to me and not add to it. This is it. This is, I believe, the word of the Lord for us. There will be refreshing in your future. And I want you to receive that. As a family, there will be refreshing in your future. As a single adult, there will be refreshing in your future. As an older adult, there will be refreshing. As a student, there will be refreshing in your future. And I believe that God is speaking that not only over our church, but over our community. And even in a difficult season when the world is going crazy all around us, there is refreshing in our future. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you are a God that cares for your people. And just like you provided the place of Elam for a short period of time as they're in the wilderness, you provided refreshing there. You will give us refreshing at different points along our journey as well. And Lord, we receive that word for what it is. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning... We're going to partake at the Lord's Supper. It's the second Sunday of the month, and that's been our pattern in these days to uh, receive communion. And at communion time, I often will talk about three different looks. We look back at the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. We look within, and we say, okay, God, how am I doing inside? And that's a healthy thing to do on a regular basis. And then we also look forward to Christ's return, right? He's coming back for his church. And so we look back, we look in, and we look forward. Well, this week, Pastor Bobby was like, I think 
in light of the season we're in, there might be a third look or a fourth look. That is to look around, to look outside of ourselves. And this is what I want us to do right now. I want you just to take 30 seconds and look around nice and slow. Look around who's behind you, who's side of you, who's behind you, who's in front of you. Give a little wave. Come on, look around. Look, look who's here. Look around. Because as you do that, and you can just keep on looking, all right, communion is about unity, right? Being together. And Pastor Bobby reminded me this week that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where it's about receiving the body of Christ. It's where Jesus uh, is re- says, here's my body. This is for you. Take it as often as you do in remembrance of me. This is the blood, my, the representation of my blood. As often as you take it, remember me, right? And then I'm coming back. And so 1 Corinthians 11 is about receiving the body. And then chapter 12, without interruption, if, if, if there weren't the chapter breaks, it would just be one story. It's all about being the body. So it's about receiving the body and then being the body of Christ, being unified, that we all play a part. Amen? And in light of that, we are in an on-ramping season for connect groups. And I just want to speak to it real briefly. We've got several small groups, connect groups, that we want you to be a part of. And uh, there's a youth group, one that meets on Sunday nights here at the church. And uh, they will split up into multiple groups. And your students got to be there. It's going to make them better. Uh, Sunday nights also, my wife and I will be uh, host or not hosting, but teaching a class, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. It'll be actually at the Guterres' home. And we want to invite you out to come and grow with us. Monday nights, Pastor Bobby's class is called Better Understanding the Bible with Bobby Hill. And I'm telling you, if you're hungry to grow in God's Word, he's the man. He will bless you. And uh, we got child care uh, for both of those, uh, those ones. Tuesday morning, we got a men's group that meets with Bob Boss at 7 o'clock in the morning at Russ's in Grand Haven. A little later that day, 10 o'clock, is the happy hour group. And they're going through the book of Daniel. It's going to be a blessing to you to grow through the book of Daniel. Tuesday night, there's Embrace Grace that's already up and going with Rachel Marr and company. And, uh, but it's not too late to join. Uh, this week, this Tuesday, if you read the, the description, say, man, I need to be there, join them. And they're in a training season to become a safe place for, the, for our church for, to bring and love people. There's another men's group with Man Camp every other Wednesday with Matt Biller. And then Wednesday night, we don't have a sign-up for this one, but uh, we want all of you to come out, and we're providing child care in this next season to come and to grow. We're going to be going through a book called The Hour That Changed the World, and it's going to rock your world. So it'll be a little bit of teaching and then right back into prayer. It's going to be awesome. And then the last group is a four times over the next four months, we're going to do a men's breakfast. The first one is this next Saturday, and we want you to come out, men, and join us, and uh, it's going to be an awesome time, and we want to do that. And you say, well, why are we taking the time as we consider communion? Well, again, it's about looking outward, looking around us, and not leaving anyone behind. 
Part of the reason Paul was writing to the Corinthian church is because they were taking communion without each other. They were kind of getting ahead of the game and they were leaving people behind. Well, today is an opportunity for you, after we're done with this, to sign up for one of these groups. The, the leaders will be in the lobby. We want to encourage you to be a part of that. And I want you to also believe that not only is this going to be a blessing to you, but you have something to give these groups. These groups need you to be a part. That's what will make them better. We're better together. In some connect groups, some people will join because of the content, but for a lot of us, it's about the people just being together. We need each other. And so, again, after we partake of this, we're going to do one other thing, and I know it seems a little choppy, but then we'll have opportunity to meet these small group leaders. But as you hold these elements in your hand, and I know you've been holding them here for a while now, I want us to remember the body of Christ. And together, we're going to do this. We're going to make a difference. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Lord, I just pray right now over the body, your body, that was given for us. You laid it down. God, we're grateful. We're grateful for the body of Christ. As we receive your body, we recognize that we are part of your body and that we have responsibilities to care and love for one another. And we take it together now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the body. And now the blood, the blood of Jesus, so incredible. It's the blood of Jesus that covers our sin that makes us whole. It's also the blood of Jesus that provides a healing atonement. And man, we need that. And so with thankful heart, let's partake of the blood together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, God. God, we're just grateful, Lord, that you're challenging us to be about your business. Help us to be better together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's one final thing. The last couple weeks I've been away, uh, certainly been praying for our world with many of you. Um, How many are concerned and uh, have a heart for what's happening in Ukraine and uh, what's happening Uh, in the countries surrounding them with all the refugees and things. Um, While I was away, Jessica reached out to me and said, hey, is it okay if we give to Convoy of Hope? And I was like, yes, of course. And uh, the Lord has provided for us, and and we want to be a blessing. And I I love that about my wife. She's such a giver. And, And then she actually was like, hey, can the church pray, or can we give at the church uh, as well? And I didn't make those connections for last week, but uh, this past Friday, I, there's an organization that we have supported historically that help in circumstances like this. It's called Convoy of Hope. They're boots on the ground, and they're there working hard, and they're trusted, they're safe. When you give money to Convoy of Hope, you can uh, believe that the money gets to where it's supposed to go. And, um, and that's where we supported. And, uh, and we want to give opportunity over the next few weeks for all of us to give. If you've been saying, man, where could I give? There's lots of opportunities. And if you've already given, 
great, no problem. But if you haven't given and you've been saying, man, I would give, you can give through the Gateway Church, and at the end of the month, we're going to cut a check for Convoy of Hope. And, or you can just give directly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to come through the Gateway Church. It doesn't matter to us. But I think God is stirring us to not only pray, but also to give. And um, I, what, what, what I, so anyway, on Friday afternoon, I was done with my message, and I went to the Convoy Hope site, and they've got I probably 12 or more videos over the last few weeks, and I just binge-watched probably seven or eight of those, and I really felt compelled that at the end of the service today, I picked three, and then we're going to start posting them every couple days to kind of stir our hearts through the end of the month and uh, to give. But um, I want us to enjoy three just back to back to back and then we're going to pray and then be done for this morning so without further ado convoy of hope hi this is chris with convoy of hope coming to you from poland where it's estimated that about 800,000 people have come across the border from ukraine over a million people have already fled the nation of ukraine and is expected that those numbers are going to continue to rise Right now, we're outside one of the main train stations here where there are literally tens of thousands of people roaming around. People who have fled Ukraine, women and children who are carrying suitcases are predominantly what we see. Our partners have already started distributing relief supplies all along the border where tens of thousands of people are coming across regularly. Over the next coming weeks, we're going to continue to, to supply those partners and we're gonna to continue to work with refugees who are coming into Poland and several other countries throughout Europe. Well, we just want to say a huge thank you to all of you who support Convoy of Hope. The work we're doing here is extremely important. We couldn't do it without you. Churches, individuals, businesses, civic groups, all of you who get behind us, we just want to say a huge thank you. Hello, I'm Igor from Moldova. Here I'm standing at the border between Moldova and Ukraine, one of the border crossings that is used by the refugees to come into Moldova. As of today in Moldova, it's estimated to have over 130,000 refugees that came uh, from Ukraine. As you can see right behind me, there are people from Ukraine that are helped by the volunteers to uh, get to a safe place. In partnership with Convoy of Hope, many of the churches have been able to respond to this refugee crisis. We're here at the border of Poland and Ukraine, one of the checkpoints that the Ukrainian refugees are coming through with an organization that is working with every single refugee that comes through here with food and any resources they may need to get checked in. And so many of these people have been coming from miles from their towns, talking about how their cities have been leveled. Some of them talking about trains that have been stopped, curfews that they have to abide by, because if they don't have their lights off at a certain time, they're considered the enemy. When the war started in Europe, uh, uh, we have to be here because this is a big problem, and many, many million people uh, from Ukraine will be, won't go to Poland. But in the first moment on the border will be very hard. Sometimes they wait two, three days. They are very tired. 
uh, and hungry. Prepare food for 3,000 people per day. It's 24 hours, all time, all time. We are after one week and we don't know how many times we need, we have to be here. Of course we will. You do see hardship, you do see trouble in their eyes, but you also see hope as they come on through. Getting that meal in them, seeing their kids being taken care of, they have hope. And so we're just trying to feed that as much as we can with every organization we can as we work through this with the people here. I, my hope is finish war, but not finish think about another uh, people. Never finish. Amazing uh, to see how many people want to work together and help another people. This is true love. Lord God, we just thank you um, that we know when we live out our mission of connecting with you and connecting with others and connecting with the world that we are embodying. We are embodying that heart, that command to love you with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourself, Lord. And we know that uh, even people who don't love you uh, can love their neighbor, God, but it is a command. It's impossible for us to say we love you and not love others, Lord. And so I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to connect with one another, to grow in community, to be uh, that friend to someone else who needs a friend uh, coming up in connect groups, Lord. And I also thank you uh, for the work of people uh, working in Moldova, people working in Poland, Lord. And I thank you uh, for my personal friend, Christian Rodriguez, who I see in Poland right now working with refugees, God. And I thank you for him that he accepted your call to go there to be the hands and feet of Jesus, God. And I pray that we would be people that would help empower those to, to help uh, provide meals, to help give supplies that people need, God. This is what it means to love you, God, to love one another, to love people who we might never see, who we might never know the impact that we are making, God. But I pray that you will help use us to make a difference in the lives of these refugees and these moms and these kids, God, in whatever way we can, God. And I just pray for protection for them. I pray for safety for them. I pray for shelter for them, God, and I know that there are so many stories coming through the news of, of missiles that have, have failed to launch for things that have gone off course, God, and I just pray that you would just continue to put your hand over these people, especially over these civilians, God, as they flee for their lives, as they flee for safety, God. And we thank you that this is an opportunity for us. And this is an opportunity for you to show uh, your love through us, God. Let us not take it for granted, God. Thank you so much for what you're doing already. And we know that there's so much more to do. So we pray that you would put the right people in the right places. And thank you again that my friend Christian is there, God, and pray uh, that you put the right resources in their hands as well. And, and we know, um, God, that you are the one who is ultimately in control. And so we just surrender to you our lives, our desires, God. 
Let us be people with open hands of surrender, whether that is through money or through our gifts or through our talents or even through our time by joining a connect group. We just surrender to you today. And we give you all the praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today for service. And make sure uh, you take time. Don't just walk out. Make sure you take time to connect with one of our connect, leader, uh, connect group leaders out in the lobby as you go. But go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.